Now, the point of today, I want to take a look first of all at 2015. We stood up a year ago in this church. I stood up a year ago in this church and I said, this is where we're going. This is what we want to see for 2015. Uh, we, we laid out three main areas that we wanted to put energy and effort into. Those three areas were social justice, kids ministry, and uh, guests, new people, visitors, that sort of thing. So we were going to put energy and effort into those, which is what we did do. And um, I want to give you a little bit of feedback about that. This isn't an annual report, okay? We don't do annual reports. You might have noticed we don't do financial reports in this church as well. Some churches like to do that on a monthly basis. We don't. Our finances are transparent. You can come and ask us, but we don't give those things because there's only going to be one or two people who actually care uh, in the church that want to see all the figures. So if you are one of those people, you can come and chat to us. We are very open about our finances in this church. But what I want to do now is just give you a little bit of feedback from 2015. Now, maybe you've just started coming to the church, so you weren't really here in 2015. You didn't know what was happening. Um, you weren't a part of this here, but this is the history of what you've come into. So I think it's important for you to hear this as well. We had some incredible growth um, throughout last year. Just church attendance itself. We stood up last year and we said, space is going to become a problem soon. We need to start looking at multiple services. If you remember that conversation, it wasn't, we, it's five months later, we were in multiple services and we've been doing it now for seven or eight months and it's been incredible. As soon as we started with a second morning service, we saw that our numbers started to grow because it creates options for people. So people can now choose whether they want to sleep in or sleep off a bubble us and come in a little bit after that or whatever it might be, but they come in and it gives options. One of the main reasons for having two services was so that we could more evenly split our kids' ministry in the back. So we were having 60 to 70 kids in the back there in two very small classrooms, and it wasn't working well. And so we've created the space here, but we were hoping that the service times would mean that the kids would split halfway. They didn't. What we found with our service times being 8 and 9.30 was everyone came to the 9.30 service. So it was my kid alone in worship at 8 o'clock with no one else to be their friend. It was very tough for them. But uh, what we found now that we've changed that and it's now become uh, 8.30 and 10 o'clock. The split is 30-40. So it's much more even, uh, which really helps the facilities at the back there, which can't cope with a lot of kids. And then it helps our volunteers as well because it's difficult to speak and minister to one child in a class versus um, a handful of kids. So that's gone really well. Our church attendance on average, and this is just in case you want to know, is that our weekend numbers have gone from about 230 this time last year to about 300 and so, 300, 320 this time of the year. So they've increased. We've created space. People have come in. We've got new people. um, And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We really are blessed by God in that area. Our kids ministry, as I mentioned, um, has now, we, we think we found the right time slots for them, and uh, they're growing as well, and they've, they've increased, uh, and they've got a good split. And then the teens, <clears throat> we've seen an increase in the numbers in our teens on a Friday night, uh, where the average this year so far is, is sitting at about uh, 125, 130 teenagers that will come on a Friday night, and it's a lot of teens, trust me. More important than the growth in the numbers of teenagers has been the growth in the leadership 
that's happened in the teenagers. Um, whereas it was maybe just Ingrid running things and, and kind of just doing everything. Now she's been able to hand over a lot of the responsibility and the reins to other leaders who are there, who are leading connect groups, who are leading the worship team and, and uh, speaking into the lives of the teens as well. So that, even more than the numbers, has been a massive blessing and a breakthrough in terms of our teenagers. Finances. Now to be real with you for a second, the finances have not gone up proportional to the number of people that have been coming. But that's okay. We expect that. Because here's the truth about how church works. Finances are the last thing people give and the first thing that people stop giving. So that's, we've seen that and that is how it works. Why? It makes sense. It works the same for all of us. We want to come. We want to see that we can trust where the finances are going. We want to come and see that if I'm giving my hard-earned money into something, is it being handled correctly? Is it being handled well? Is it being administered uh, with wisdom? And is there a group of people that's administering it? So when people come and they stick around and they hear what we're doing and they see the way that we're working as a church, they can see we're transparent with these things, uh, we find you know, then people are happy to invest and to sow into what we're doing as a church. And so it's not a too worrying thing at the moment, but it is something we will be focusing on a little bit this year. Then, social justice. Uh, That was one of the the things we wanted to put energy into last year. Now, we basically have three things that we put resources into. One of them on a local level is Vuyani Safe Haven, which is a very, very, it's a brilliant and it's an important ministry uh, in this town. And we are fortunate enough to be able to partner with them in some small way on a monthly financial level. Um, And that, that brings you know, a tiny bit of relief. But it's exactly like, an organization like that is exactly like church. Every little bit helps to make the big bit which makes the thing work. And so we get to be a part of their little bit in helping them make, uh, do what they need to do, uh, which is incredible work. And uh, we do want to get more involved in that. At the moment, it's mostly financial. With At the end of the year, we did the... Um, we did the, the Christmas, the, the dinner and the gifts and that sort of thing, which is another way that we could be involved, but we do want to see how we can be maybe more involved more consistently. Um, that would be helpful for them. So we're looking into that. And then on an international front, we've got two ministries that we support. We've got Word to World, which is Johan and Inna. Some of you know them, Van der Westesen. Um, and they uh, preached in this church, I think, last year, April. Uh, and, and we'll have them again sometime this year. And they, uh, they really minister to the corners of the earth. That's what they feel is their calling from God is just to do that. And again, we can get to partner with them in that. They literally travel everywhere. Every time I see a picture on Facebook, they're in another part of the world, in Singapore or India or somewhere. Um, but they just minister and minister and minister. And it's our giving and the giving of others that helps them to be able to do that. So it's a blessing for us to be a part of that. And then on an international level, technically... Uh, but it doesn't feel like it. We also help out with Lesotho, with the Lesotho mission, uh, which is a fantastic ministry. We've been involved in it historically, but we haven't seen it for a while. It's changed leadership, and I get to go there now in April, in two months' time, almost to the day. In fact, to the day, I'll be in Lesotho, and we'll be checking things out there and meeting with the leaders and finding out what's actually happening and where the money's going and how can we help. And maybe we can even think about bringing a team 
from the assembly to go to Lesotho and be able to minister there. When I've, I've been there before on missions trips, and it's, it's incredible. We get to minister to the shepherds and uh, kids at the orphanage and build things if you're practical, and it's just an incredible time of being able to put in. So we support them financially as well. So that's kind of our social justice. We do want to get more involved in that, but I'm going to speak a little bit more about that in a moment. Can I say something? That is awesome. Maybe you haven't been here the whole time to be able to appreciate that. But that is awesome. We, I feel incredibly blessed as a church that we've seen the kind of increase that we've seen. Um, so do yourself a favor. Give the person next to you a hand clap that is affectionate and meaningful and loud and vibrant. Say, well done. Congratulations. You're a part of this. You can do that. That's actually a thing you can do. It's awesome. I feel very privileged to be a part of what's happening here. And the fact that some of you are here after a year of me being here is, like, brilliant. So who knows? Maybe you'll be here next year as well. It's good news. Ross, good to see you. I'm going to give you a quick business thing. Now, as I said, it's not a standard preach, but I think this is, this is just a freebie that's going, to, that's going to launch me into what I want to speak about this morning. But I want to speak about business for a second, because businesses, if you've owned a business or worked in a business or you've thought about it or you've started your own business or whatever it might be, you'll know that business moves forward in steps. It works in cycles and it works in steps. Uh, and uh, like any business starts there, any business. It goes from a bright idea in someone's brain to actually getting itself onto paper and then working itself out into a practical outworking. It starts somewhere. Now, a lot of people have ideas for businesses, but it never really leaves that stage. And you can entertain the idea and think about all the amazing money you would make and uh, all, you know, all the cool ideas you've got and how they're going to sell and change the world. Um, but there's very few people who'd go from that creative process into actually doing something about it. And it's those that do, which are the excited, those are the people that get to uh, live with a lot of excitement and nervousness and scaredness in their lives. But the bottom line is this. Every business starts off with a creation step. In the creation phase, a business wants to sell their product the quickest way possible. So let's think of an example. So someone wants to sell clothing for toddlers. All right? That's a business. That's the idea that I've got. I think people are going to like it. Um, my clothes are different to everyone else's. They, they button up differently and they wash differently and everything's very cute and they're cuddly and whatever. This is my idea. Now you take it from there and you go into your creation phase and you want to sell your product as much as possible, as quickly as possible. So who are you going to sell to? Mom and dad, aunties and uncles, friends, anyone, right? Anyone that's going to buy and support you just because they love you and they know you. Um, and they'll just do it. And you'll sell it to anybody. There's very few staff. There's... Business relationships are incredibly personal at this stage between clients and suppliers and employees. Now, if you get things right, if you figure out that actually your auntie is buying a second one because she really likes this, and she told a friend about it, and they also want one, you're going to start to experience something in your business, and it's going to be this thing, growth. 
So if you don't experience growth at that level, that's it. You can try as hard as you want, and you can try, and you can try, and maybe you'll push through that. But hopefully your idea takes off, it sells, your product gets out there, and then you move to that level, growth. And when you start to grow, the demand starts to increase. When the demand starts to increase, it puts pressure on all of the aspects of the business. All of a sudden, you need more people to sew these clothes. All of a sudden, you need an extra sewing machine. All of a sudden, you need um, people working hours. But then if you've got people working hours, then you need contracts. That means you need HR people. Then you need someone to handle your finances. So as you experience growth, you don't think about this in creation often. You just want to get your business up and running. But then if you start to be successful, you're going to hit that step, that phase If your product is what people want in the growth phase, the demand increases and it stretches your facilities, your staff and your systems. This is the time when leaders focus on internal issues and add structure to the business without losing your values or your personal touch. This is very important because it's at that growth stage that you say we actually can't cope now with what people are needing. So we need to take a step back and Think about what we need to change here. We need to change our finance model. We need to change our marketing system. We need to employ this staff member. We need to do this. And so you take a look at the things you need to improve over here so that you can be more effective in your business. Is this making sense? I'm going somewhere with this. Stick with me. The next level, maturity. In the maturity phase, the business is growing. Systems are healthy. But it's now got to focus on something. It's got to focus on how to market itself and get clients and customers from the outside. Because once your systems are right and you know that people want your product, you need to figure out how to market yourself and get yourself out there so you can attract new customers. Because you can't always rely on mom and dad and auntie and uncle and uncle's friend. You've got to go a little bit broader than that and figure out your marketing and those sorts of things. That's what you've got to do if you want to reach that. If you just want to stay at that Growth level, it's, it's, not going to be, it's not going to be helpful. You're going to eventually fall. We've got to, as leaders, keep on looking to the next step. So after the creation of the business or organization, there's an in-focus and then there's an out-focus. You see, you've created it. Now in the growth section, you've got to stop, take a look at your processes, fix them, and then you can... Go to your maturity, which is your out in marketing. So then there's an in. And that's those growth and maturity, those repeat itself. Because as soon as you start to grow even more, you've got to look again, change your structures, get more staff, buy a new premises or hire a new premises. So things get bigger and then you get big and then you reach out more. Things get bigger and you reach out more. Does that make sense? That's a very basic sort of a, a normal business model. And although the church isn't a business, Because all businesses have the same bottom line, money, right? It's profit. It's cash at the end of the day. That is any business's bottom line. That's the mark of success of a business. Now, the church isn't a business, but the church is an organization with leaders and systems and structures and financial governance and policies. And it's got its own phases and cycles. And we see those in church history. Do you know that this this same thing could very easily be applied to any church across the planet? in that it starts, it grows, 
But if the church is healthy and it's growing, some things need to change inside. You'll take a look and say, we need to get more staff, get another building, do this, whatever it might be. And then you start reaching out again. Now, here's the question. Which phase are we in? I'm going to help you. That's the phase we're in right now. We're at a stage now of saying, okay, we are growing. We've taken a look at last year. We've taken a look at where we are now. We can see that our facilities are under pressure. They are going to take strain, more strain than they're taking now. The air cons are taking more strain. The parking's taking more strain. The coffee's taking more strain. The kids' ministry's taking more strain. Everything is taking a little bit more strain as more people are coming. And so we've got to take a look and say, what do we need to do over here so that we can become stronger so that in the next phase we can reach out better? That's the stage we're in now. Now, the best thing we can do in this phase of growth is to strengthen ourselves. If we work on the core, you see, think of it as a business. If your business is getting a lot of, a lot of demand, but you can't meet that, what's going to eventually happen? People are going to stop buying from you. That's the bottom line. If you can't supply what people are demanding, nothing's going to happen, and you're eventually going to go downhill. But if we strengthen those inner processes then you find that the next phase is successful. So what this doesn't mean for us, and this is important, is that we become inward focused. That's not what this means. So you can say, oh, but this is an in phase. We're going to look in and focus on ourselves. And No, no, I'm not saying that. I mean, imagine a business did that. Hang on a second, everyone. I'm not going to sell any products. I'm just going to work on our processes and hire staff and that sort of thing. And once we've done that, then we'll start selling things again. Well, that's not going to work. You've got to do both at the same time. But there's a little more energy than usual being put into cleaning things up on the inside. So we don't neglect what we're here to do, which is reaching people with the good news of Christ. A business in this stage, as I said, doesn't stop selling the product. We're going to build this here, and this is how we're going to do it. That's just a photo of me. I know it's not. Um, I'm not a very exercisey person, okay? I know you would never think that, but I'm not. But what I've heard many times and what I've read is that if you want to get your true strength comes from your core. Everything comes from strengthening your core. Everything, your lifting, your protecting of your organs, your posture, all sorts of things about the way you lift and the way you do things and your strength and your exercise. It's not, it's not all about the bulk and the muscle. How strong is your core when it comes to these things? And uh, this is an important thing because we're going to build this here in that phase by strengthening our core. If you want to build strength in your body, exercise the core. The same is true in church life. So here's the thing. Here's how we do this. The way we strengthen our core in the stage we're in is to move people from the crowd to the core. Now, if there's one thing you get from this morning, if there's one little catchphrase that you remember that sticks in your brain, it's this, crowd to core. You want to know what 2016 is about for us as a church? It's moving people from the crowd, from the periphery, from the outside into the inside. It's bringing people who are spectators and watching them transform and become contributors. 
That's what we're doing. So that's how we are focusing on our core for this year. How exactly are we going to bring people from the crowd to the core? This is how. Next steps. That's unfortunate. Next steps. So if you have to summarize the whole message from today, this is it. We're moving people from the crowd to the core using next steps. I'll explain what that is in a second, but that is essentially where we're going with 2016. See, this is a a model that we see over and over in the Bible. You might not have noticed it because maybe you don't read the Bible in this way, but if you read it from the perspective of leadership and crowd to core and these sorts of things, maybe you've done the purpose-driven life or the purpose-driven church, you might have noticed some of these principles and things in there. Uh, It's very, very helpful. But what we see when we look at the life of Jesus is this often. We see it repeated itself over and over again. Who was Jesus speaking to more often than not? Thousands of people. Thousands and thousands and thousands. I'm not talking about a couple hundred people. He always drew a crowd. Listen, if you can make someone's eyes, you know, see again and make someone hear and raise someone from the dead, the chances are you're also going to draw crowds, okay? But the bottom line is Jesus was preaching. He was teaching the words. People were saying, we don't understand why, but we just want to listen to this guy all day long. And they would listen and they wouldn't bring food and they wouldn't think about that. All they would want was something that he was talking and they would watch him and he would do a miracle and then he would do this. Then he would feed 5,000 people. There were just crowds of people around Jesus almost 24-7. And if you do, if you're one of those people who, who does a little reading on the side or a little reading at home, I want to encourage you, Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5, those two chapters, you know most of the stories. Whether you've been in church for a short or a long time, you'll know most of the stories that come out of Mark chapter 4 and 5. There are lots of them. But what I want to highlight very quickly is just this whole thing. So once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. Now, we've got a community. All of us have the community of Crawford Okay, that's, that, that is our community. That's where God's put you. Maybe you don't like that. Maybe you wish it wasn't here, but it is here. Our community is Crawford and the surrounding areas. That's our community. When Jesus spoke, he had a community that he was speaking to. Not everyone in the community came out to listen to him. But there was always a large crowd that gathered. So here's the good news. If you're in this building today, which you are, you are already, you've already taken a step into the crowd. You've already taken a step. If you've come in from the outside and come into this building for whatever reason, maybe someone invited you, you saw something on Facebook, it makes no difference. If you've come into this building, you've, you are like those people who've, I've heard about this Jesus guy. I want to go and hear him. And you've come and you're a part of the crowd. A few verses later. Later, when Jesus was alone, yeah. Now, this is just after he's preached a message to them and, and taught them from parables. He says, it says, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around. Now, just after he teaches, so he draws a massive crowd. He teaches them in parables. That's the only way that he taught, by the way, when it came to big crowds. He spoke in parables, but then... When he, got a, when he got into a quiet space with his disciples and a few of his close followers, then he would explain what those parables meant. And he would only tell them what the meaning of those things were. What does the weeds, what are the seeds, who's the sower, how does this thing work? Um, and he would explain it to them. So you can see there that he's, he, he moves, and I've called it connectors. That's not in the Bible. That's not a Bible word. 
But what you see is that there's another level of people who have a, who have a different kind of relationship to Jesus and what he's doing, where they're a little bit closer. And Jesus actually says, what does he say? This is what he says to them. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Straight after that, so he's on one side of a shore and he's teaching to people and large crowds. Then he gets in a boat and he carries on preaching a little bit. Then he goes across the water uh, with just what I would call the connectors, just the 12 and maybe a couple of others who were lucky enough to be on the boat at the time. But that's interesting. He like whittles away. So he's with a big crowd, then he gets with a smaller crowd. But you're going to see something interesting in a second. And we know that story about how Jesus calms the storm. It's a fascinating story. I love the detail. Jesus was sleeping at the back of a boat with his head on a cushion. Honestly, is that necessary? I don't know. But it's fantastic that they put it in there. So Jesus started out in the boat, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, and we know what happened. He was sleeping, the disciples woke him up, and then he just said to the storm, stop, and it stopped. Okay, so we know that story quite well. Then Jesus goes on. Then he gets to the other side of the shore where he was going, and there's a demon-possessed man who meets him there. Now, we know that story, many of us as well, and they speak to him, and he, he, he casts the demon into a massive herd of 2,000 pigs, and they run off a cliff and drown. And then the crowd, who love him, asked him to leave. Isn't that interesting? Because he just took away their cash. I don't know why Jewish people are farming with pigs. It wasn't something they were allowed to do. But anyway, he did it. He cast them into the pigs. Pigs ran away. Pigs got drowned. Then the crowd said to him, go, 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 go. Then something else happens. The heading in my Bible says this, Jesus heals in response to faith. So it says here, Jesus got into the boat again. So he's just gone from here to here. Now he's going from here back to here to go back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come, lay your hands on her, heal her, so she, heal her so she can live. So then Jesus went with him. On the way, that story happens where the woman with the issue of bleeding touches him, and she's healed. Now, remember, that's a massive crowd that's following Jesus to this guy's house. And he heals this lady, and then this happened. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing uh, there was. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave and he took the girl's father, mother, and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, little girl, get up. And she did. It's an amazing story. But what I want to draw your attention to is the fact that with Jesus' ministry over and over and over again, surrounded by a crowd, got into a quiet place, spoke to his 
small crowd. And then when he did some very incredible things, the transfiguration when there was Moses and Elijah on the hill and Jesus and they were talking, that was only seen by those same three. That was his inner circle. That was his core of people that he was dealing with. So even in his ministry, over and over again, there was a community, a crowd, connectors, and the core. So, if you're here this morning, you're part of the crowd. But I want to clarify something, what these different people look like. Because you may find yourself, you have to be in one of these. Somehow or another, or at least moving from one to another. But I told you, 2016 for us is going to be about moving people from the crowd to the core. I want to tell you what a crowd person is. This is someone who, who, who was like a crowd in the Bible and like as a crowd in church. This are some of the things about them. They want to come to church in here. Nothing wrong with that. They're blessed by being at church. There is nothing wrong with that. The crowds that came to Jesus came because they saw him do amazing things. They heard him do amazing things. And he fed them. And so they came. They were completely blessed by what they were seeing over and over again. They were fed and they were looked after. They weren't involved. You see, when Jesus, when it became too much for him and the crowd was pushing in on him and he, wanted, he actually needed to go to the other side, who was there to offer their boat? It was the connectors. It was that small group of people. Who was there to row him across or sail him across or whatever the boat looked like? Who was offering their business? Because remember, this was the disciples' livelihood. They were fishermen. This was like their boat. And they were saying, come, we'll go. I'll do what it takes to go and take you there. But the crowd weren't involved. They were just there. They were spectators. They were enjoying everything that Jesus had for them. When you're a part of the crowd, often your connections are more outside the church than inside the church. Again, this isn't bad stuff. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Being in the crowd, that isn't like a bad thing. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad that people have come in from the community and feel that they can belong here. And let me say something about being a part of the crowd in this church. You get every single possible benefit, the same as anyone else. You don't get anything less. You don't get anything more. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't need to be part of the connected or the, or the core to have your baby blessed to get married here, to have pastoral care, to get prayed for, to be, none of that stuff, to be baptized, none of that stuff. You don't need to be a member or anything more than just coming to the church to get the benefits of the church. But there is another level. Connectors. Connectors make things happen and get things done. Connectors help row the boat. They help take the church forward. They say, I'm at a stage now where I've been in the crowd for long. And listen, I was in the crowd for many, many years of my life. But there does come a stage, hopefully in your life, where you say, I feel like there's more. I feel like there's another level here somehow. What do I need to do? I, 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 I want to be more involved. I realize that Jesus is doing something through his church. How can I... How can I do something to help that? And that's what they do. They, they help row the boat. They want to be a blessing to the work. You see the difference there? When you're part of the crowd, it's so nice to be blessed by the work. 
But then there comes a, cha- a change when you actually want to be a blessing to the work. And so you become a little bit more sacrificial. I don't mind waking up a bit early to serve on this or that. They offered their resources and their energy. This was the, the connectors in the story. You can rely on them. You can rely on connectors. These are guys who have said, I want to put something into making this thing work. And then there seems to be that other level. The core guys. People who totally shoulder the burden of the church. These are people who you're not trying to sell to come to the prayer meetings. You're not trying to uh, you know, twist their arm to come to a connect group and to be a part of a connect group. You're not trying to twist their arm into serving or anything like that. These are people who have just said, listen here, this is where God's put me. I'm going to give everything that I can give. What does the Bible say? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. And they just do it. You'd never have to fight or anything. They just, they're easy because they are on the same mission as the church is on. And so they shoulder the burden of the church. If something goes wrong at church, they don't go, oh, that thing that happened at church. No, no, it's my church. This thing happened at my church. This can't happen. This can't, we've got to do something about that. They are sacrificial. Please excuse the, the bad spelling of the word there. Sacrificial in their giving of their time, treasure, and talent. They put their hands up to lead. You can build with them. You can build with them because you know that they, have, they carry the same burden that you carry. They know that when you're asking them to do something, you're not being difficult. You know, if I speak to Tian and I say, you know what, you need to sing more when you do that, change this, I, the transition you did there, he doesn't go, who are you to tell me that? Are you going to come and tell me how to do the worship team? No, no. Because he shoulders the burden, he knows that we're on the same side, we're on the same team, and he'll just do what needs to be done in order to make it work. That makes sense? So you can really build with people who are in the core. You can't build with the crowd. That's the problem. That is the disadvantage of, of a big crowd. We know very well the story when Jesus was in his last days on the planet. And he was ushered into Jerusalem. And people took off their coats and they cut down leaves and they put them there. And there was this massive crowd welcoming him, him into the city. And it wasn't days later that the same crowd said, crucify him. Crucify him. Because you can't build with them. They're unpredictable. They're fickle. If it suits me today, then that's fantastic. But if it doesn't, what we want to say is we, we want all people to be on a journey towards moving towards the core. Because as we strengthen our core, our reach increases. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So can you place yourself somewhere on your journey from crowd to core? 2016 is the year we want to build the core of this church. And as I said, we want to do that so we can be even more effective at reaching our community. Pastor D often says this, Pastor Donovan, if you don't know, often says this, you need, a, you need to build a strong from in order to have a strong to. Now, that took me a long time to actually kind of work out in my head. What is he talking about? When I write it down, it's easier because I can see inverted commas. You need to build a strong from in order to have a strong to. What does that mean? This is what it means. If you have nothing, you can do nothing. Right? Works like that on a personal level. Works like that on a church level. If you have a little, you can do a little. And if you've got a lot, you can do a lot. So you've got to build a strong from so you can do a lot. Yes, we want to do a lot, but do we have enough here to be able to do that? Sometimes no. 
So we've got to build, and that's why we're building the core here. So how do we help people to move and journey from the crowd towards the core? As I said in that writing, it's very simple. We help people to take the next step. And this is where we get practical. So you can take out your box of Smarties and open it and don't eat it. Good grief. Just keep it there. You ready? Pop it open. All right. Everyone's next step looks different. Your journey and your next step, it can even differ depending on the stage of life you're in. Sometimes you just can't do certain things because of mobility or transport or a six-month-old or whatever it might be. We understand that. Everyone's next step looks different. But I'm willing to bet that everyone can take a step in 2016. That everyone can just take one more step towards the core in 2016 as we build what we're doing. This is going to be really practical now. Yeah. So what we've got there are the colors of the Smarties in your box. Do you know how you move from being someone who is in the crowd to someone who's connecting? It's this. This is the important thing. We don't, we don't just do this. Ugh. Ugh. Should build my core more here. We don't do that. It's steps. Everything is steps. And when you take some steps, you reach a platform. You reach another level. It's very important. We don't just jump levels. It doesn't work like that. And so what I want to say to you is this, because you might find yourself, you're somewhere on here. You're somewhere here. But here's the important thing. The brown smarties on the bottom just represent you're at church now. So you've come in, and maybe you've been here a week, maybe you've been here some years, but you've come in, you're part of the crowd, but your next step might just be keeping updated with what we're doing as a church. I mean, that's pretty simple. Do you know how you do that? Like us on Facebook. Not because we need the likes. We're not in a competition with the church down the road on Facebook likes. Trust me. Okay. It's got nothing to do with that. What it's got to do with is if you didn't know that Vision Sunday was happening today, it means you either don't check Facebook enough or you haven't liked the church page. It just keeps you updated with things that are happening. When we have a baptism service, that's where it goes. When we have a new members thing, that's where it goes. When we've got a special service coming, it goes there. So maybe your next step is just really, really a small step. It's just to get connected by social media to who we are and what we do. But maybe your next step is attending. What do I mean by that? I've never been in a church like this one where... People come from so far to be at church. I actually think it's absolutely incredible that people travel in to come to church on a Sunday. Uh, you know, in the cities, it, it was normal for us to drive 30 or 40 k's to go to church. It wasn't, but it's different because everything takes that long. 
here everything's quick. So to travel 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes to come to something is much more of an effort because you're not used to doing it. And it costs petrol. Can I ask you something? Who here does travel more than 30 Ks to get to church on a Sunday morning? You can put up your hands, all right. That's awesome. You know what? Give them a round of applause. I think it's worth it. These guys, it's hectic. It's easy for us to roll out of bed and come to church sometimes. And sometimes we still think it's too far and it's just over there. But they come and they're here and that's awesome. So what I want to say is this about attending. Attending for you might be very different to me. For me, obviously I'm here Sunday and all all Sundays. For other people, you might be someone who comes once a month. What I'm saying is maybe your next step in 2016 is saying, I want to come twice a month. That's going to be my next step. I'm going to make a plan with the petrol. I'm going to make a plan with the alarm. I'm going to make a plan with the kids. Whatever it takes, this year, my next step is just to increase my attendance just that little bit. If you normally come twice, maybe three times. If you normally come three times, maybe four times in a month. But whatever your thing is, maybe you've never attended a prayer meeting at this church, which happens once a month for one hour. Well, maybe part of your next step is just saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to that. It's just inconvenient, and it's just at a, a horrible time. It's from 6 to 7 in the evening. That's when the kids... Just Maybe your next step is just saying, for 2016, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be at the prayer meetings. And it's just that step of attendance that's going to take you somewhere. If that's you, you can hold on to a red Smarty. I want you to not hold it because it's going to melt in your fingers, but just put it next to you. Don't eat the red one. But if that's you, and maybe you just need to connect, and your next step is social media or attending, then I want you to just keep that red Smarty out. Okay, Keep it to the side. Maybe your next step is to be baptized. You don't know what this baptism thing's about. You're not sure if you understand it. You've been christened or baptized as a baby, but does it count? And you know, If you want to come and hear about baptism, the course is on Tuesday. Richard has already announced that. It's from 6 to 7.30 on Tuesday, and we'll tell you everything that we believe the Bible says about baptism. So maybe for you, that's your next step in your journey. You've been walking with Christ for a while, or maybe it's, it's just a new relationship and an experience for you. That's okay. But maybe your next step is being baptized. If it is, grab an orange Smarty. You might have more than one Smarty that you're going to grab here. Maybe your next step is to join a connect group. Maybe you've been in a church for years, or again, you maybe just started, but, but you want to be a part of a small group. You're only going to grow so much by coming to church on a Sunday for one hour. But if you can get to a connect group, I pro- well, your growth is going to increase dramatically as a Christian, as a person, in your relationships with the people that are praying for you and that you're eating with and connecting with. So connect groups is a big deal in the life of this church. But maybe you've... Uh, it's tough for us. Or maybe you can come to a connect group once in a month. Maybe, maybe that's your next step. Or maybe you say, you know what, connect groups are important. I'm going to commit myself to a connect group. I'm going to be there every single week. That's fine. Whatever your next step is, if it's baptism or connect groups or membership, no, then we've got nothing for yellow. Or membership, you can grab yellow one if it's membership. Membership in this church, we had a membership evening a few weeks ago, and we explained it this way. It's another level of commitment to the church. It's just you saying, this is the church that God's put me at. This is where I'm planted. This is where I'm going to sow. This is where I'm going to invest. It is an important step in moving towards the next level of being a connector. So if that's you, you know what? 
grab a yellow smarty if membership is something you're interested in. Maybe one of those three at the top there, giving. Now, I'm giving you the inside scoop. I will be preaching on giving soon. So I'm not telling you what date, so you'd avoid it. I know you would. Okay? But it's, it's, it's going to be, you know why it's important? We've got people here from all sorts of backgrounds, denominations, who understand giving in different ways. And uh, all the, What I want to do is this. Bring a biblical understanding of how to deal with your finances. That's it. I'm not pushing you to give. I'm not pushing you to give a certain percentage at a certain time of the year or anything or a certain time of the month. Nothing like that. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about giving. And then you need to go home and say, yes or no. That's what I'm doing. But giving is important. So maybe you've never thought it was important. Or maybe you've really wanted to give all these years, but you just didn't know the bank details. So, you know. There's a card at the back of the church with the bank details. We've eliminated obstacles. If you don't know the bank details, they're on there. We do that for your convenience. Serving. If serving's your thing, grab a green smarty. Maybe it's giving and maybe it's serving. If you say, I want to get involved in the church, but I'm scared because that means I'm going to be working on a Sunday for four Sundays out of four Sundays, and what if I go away to PE, then it becomes difficult, and I'm not quite sure how to do this thing. Um, Serving here doesn't work like that. The most you get rostered on here is twice in a month. I don't think there's any ministry in this church that rosters you more than twice in a month. Most of them are between one and one and a half, if that's possible, times a month that you'll be on. You'll be on once every three weeks or once every four weeks. So it's not a, because the more people that serve, the lighter the burden for everyone. And so that's the way we try and do what we do. But maybe serving, you've never thought about it. Or you've thought, well, this church looks like it's got a worship team. It looks like it's got kids ministry. It's got youth ministry. It's got people greeting at the doors. What more do these guys need? We're always looking for guys. And so if that's you and you say, that's my next step. I want to actually get plugged in. I want to get involved. Put me on a roster. You grow when you're on a roster because you're connecting with people in the church and you're connecting with people outside. So if giving is your thing or serving is your next step, then grab a green smarty. Leading. Now, here's an interesting thing. We, we don't really let people sign up for leading so much. I know that sounds kind of strange, but for us, leading is a very important thing. You're judged more strictly. More strictly. It's, we can't just let anyone lead. We wouldn't want anyone to just be leading our children in kids' ministry. I wouldn't want that. I'd want to know that that person's solid, screened, tested before I let them deal with my kids. We don't want anyone to be on the stage here leading us in worship when we have no idea what kind of walk they are on. So leadership is one of those things that that we don't kind of let people sign up for. But when we can see that you've just made incredible progress, you've moved from the core to the uh, from the crowd to, the, to to becoming a connected, to getting involved, to plugging in, and this is your church. You know what? Then we can start to do those things. And when we've got a connect group, those are the people we look at, and we can say, "Hey, would you mind leading a connect group? Hey, would you mind doing this? Would you mind coming on on board with this thing?" And we can pull people into that. So that's not one that you can actually technically sign up for. But this is the end of my very practical part of my message. Take a look at the smarties you've got. Maybe you've got none in your hand. Well, then just. Put the whole box in your mouth. It's no problem. doesn't matter. But if you've got one or two Smarties that are there, and you say, these are things. For me, 2016, this is my next step. I'm going to move a little bit towards here. We're not expecting everyone to go from there to there. 
I'd love that. But that's not reality. There's going to be people who say, you know what, I'm very happy right here. This is exactly, this is the stage and the season that I'm in right now, and that's okay. We're okay with that. But there's also going to be people who say, I really do want to, and I feel like it's important to take a next step. So this is what I'm going to do to do that. Well, we're there for that as well. So this is how you do, this is how you practically uh, reach your next step if it's any of those things. Social media. Log on to Facebook and like the page. It's called The Assembly Church. Attending. Quite simple. You, you just come more. Uh, baptized. Fill in a card. That's important. We do everything through the cards at the back. Again, because it makes it simple for everyone. So if you want to be baptized or you want to come to that course to, to hear about baptism, there's a baptism card at the back there. If you want to join a connect group, there's a connect group card at the back there. If you want to become a membership and you've got a, I mean, become a member and you've got a yellow smartie in your hand, there's a member card at the back of the church. If you want to give more, there's a card with our bank details on the back there. Stick around and you will hear teaching on giving as well. That's important. And then, of course, if you want to serve, there's a serving card at the back. These things are practical and easy. But what we want to do is make it as simple as possible for people just to take one more step towards the core from the crowd in 2016.